Hey guys, this is your girl Amber. We're reaching your potential. I am so excited because in this episode of our Black History series, I brought my good friend with me in this episode, and I'm so excited to bring her on. So let's get started. mentioned before I brought one of my good good friends on the show her name is Courtney and fun fact that Courtney and I went to OT school together but in different years but we were we were great friends because honestly speaking (laughs) we were the only black OTs (laughs) in our cohort (laughs) so say hello to the people Hello, everybody, and all of the beautiful Amber supporters out there. She's amazing, and (laughs) true facts, what you said. (laughs) (laughs) You're too much. But yes, we were the only Black OTs in our cohort, and it's kind of crazy. But we can talk a little bit about that in a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but Courtney, please introduce yourself. what school you went to, and how did you get into OT? Sure. So my my name is Courtney, and I'm from upstate New York area, like Catskill, Hudson Valley area, and um, went to school at Ithaca College with Amber. And how I got into OT wasn't usually the, it wasn't the traditional route. Like, you know, you hear most people say my my either my parent, you know, had a practice or I was inspired by a family member that was in healthcare. Um, right. It was always my idea of, you know, doing something great to help people. You know, I started my undergrad as a pre-med major, but as I, you know, went through the curriculum and after my first year as a freshman, I don't know, I felt like I was, I was kind of stuck with this like unidimensional way of thinking on helping people and not really exploring like, you know, dynamic ways and creative ways of helping people. Um, and I just wanted to have, or just to partake in a, in a career that would allow me to embrace on my creative side and really dig into the mental health aspect of helping people too. I feel like a lot of friends and family growing up, I felt like the mental aspect of people's health was really the, uh, the deep root of a lot of illness and, um, you know, maladaptive behaviors, however you would call it. So incorporating the physical with the mental, the spiritual, emotional, OT just kind of fit right into that, that nook there. And I uh, thank goodness that the school that I chose offered that program. So I dove right in. Awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. girl, I felt the same way. I wasn't in the pre-med at Ithaca College, but I was in a similar um, a similar program it was the pre-professional program so it's undeclared mm-hmm. in the health science building and that's where we were able to kind of explore different majors in the health profession before declaring so right. at first I was actually leaning towards exercise science because I was part of the track team I loved exercising I kind of like the science portion but as you said you wanted something more not the traditional type of route, but how can we still use our creativity mm-hmm. 
in the health profession. And OT is just that. Right. It really is. Yeah. It's like, incredible. And I feel like yeah. as you go along in the profession, you don't really understand all that OT and OT is capable of unless you're out there right. in the field. This is um, going on my third year as a, as a clinician. And I'm, I feel like I'm mind blown just every month on, <laughs> on that I'm able to target with people, especially in like the subacute setting. So it's pretty cool. Awesome. So you're mm-hmm. working in a subacute right now. Yep. It's a short-term, long-term rehab facility. Nice. And how's that going? It's, I've, it's been almost two years since I've been with this company here and it's close to home, but um, I took a little break in between and I was living in Florida for about six months and I, I was working in similar, uh, similar setting, but I just, I love the population. I love, you know, hearing, you know, our, uh, our elders, like a little bit about their history and their stories and uh, yeah, it's just, it's incredible to see a group of people, you know, persevere at home alone and despite whatever illnesses they may have and, you know, that their drive to be as independent as possible is pretty cool too. Yeah, I agree. Did you know when you were at Ithaca that you wanted to work with the adult population, specifically geriatrics? I feel like I did. Uh as silly as it might sound, like kids always scare me. <laughs> I just felt like I was never, I don't know, like never a good babysitter or I don't know, just like kids were just so fragile. I was going to break them, but I feel the same way. Yeah. My peds rotations were pretty tough. Not going to yeah. lie. <laughs> just, what were they in? I feel like it's like just a school. Yeah, I did um, my three-month level two uh, peds field work at a DOE school district in Brooklyn, and that was very challenging. Like, I had to come up with all kinds of treatment plans for groups of five or six kids with all kinds of either whether it was congenital or mostly learning disabilities, too, Mm -hmm. but there would would be some kids with uh, congenital defects as well, but. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That sounds so challenging. I did my, I did one of my peds in a school setting, both upstate in Cortland. So, yeah. but still, as you said, you have to think of all these different treatment sessions with multiple kids that have different goals. And I'm like, this is too much (laughs) work. I can work with my older adults any single time of the day. (laughs) Right. But it's funny because I feel that setting versus the subacute, like with the geriatrics, I, I felt it to be easier to work with parents in the school-based setting than children of the patients that I treat now. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> that, that's so true though. Mm-hmm. That is very true. Yeah, it's a, a lot of it comes from, I feel that a lot of the children of the folks in this age group they believe that, you know, their mother or father can, are capable of doing more than what they actually may be capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they're, they present a lot differently than they did maybe two or three months ago. So to tell someone, hey, like, you know, the outlook of, you know, your mother or father returning home or transitioning to an assisted living, 
you know, might not really be the best thing for them. You might want to consider more hands-on care, and that could be a really tough pill to swallow for um, for children or yeah, older, exactly. adult, you know, adult children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and trying to be realistic in that way, you don't want to kind of lead them in the wrong direction or say something that's going to please them because that's what they want to hear. And that's kind of the hardest things as an OT is to tell them something that they really don't want to hear, but mm -hmm. it's our job <laughs> to tell them that. Yeah, and, and I'm 27 years old now, but, you know, I get a lot of family members they say like well how old are you can you really relate to what we're going through right now and or do you have children which I don't so that's right even, you know the, the trust factor with it all too so yeah I agree <laughs> and so many of my patients keep asking me like how old how old are you because you look like a baby <laughs> and I'm like oh well uh -huh, I'm 24 and some of them <laughs> ask me if I'm married if I have kids no yeah, and I, no <laughs> and what kind of setting are you working in now um right now it's like a mixture of outpatient home health but it's mostly home health um oh well, so I good do for you. it's mm -hmm. tough at times for sure but I'm grateful for the mentorship that I have at my job that's um, I'm able to like reach out to my mentor and have discussions with her. Basically, like I can call her at any time of the day and we can discuss a patient. She can come and shadow me. Plenty of resources and things of that nature, which is That's great. So the only downfall is like scheduling. Sometimes I get into like a panic mode and I'm like, mm -hmm. uh, oh my gosh, like what's going on? I need to schedule a patient, but I don't know where to put them. And it gets so overwhelming, but I'm slowly getting the gist of you know, how, how that's going. I think considering like this is your first job as an OT. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome because, you know, gaining those like good time management skills and seeing people in their natural environments first, I think would is, is probably a better approach. You know, yeah, that's that's what I kind of wanted in the beginning. Mm -hmm. At first, I was kind of leaning away from home health because I heard that, you know, people are like, well, you don't get that much mentorship. You're kind of by yourself. And mm -hmm. I was getting scared. I'm like, should I even do this? <laughs> but um, luckily, that company, they have the mentorship program for new grads. So you're not being just like thrown in the fire. And right. that's kind of like one of the reasons why I applied for that position. That's excellent. Good for you. Thanks, so Courtney. <laughs> uh, I'm proud of you. You're yeah. doing amazing things as always. <laughs> We're proud of each other. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> exactly. So Court, I want you to kind of tell me, how did you feel when you were at Ithaca College in the OT program but being the only black person in the in the program because I can tell you a thing or two about how I felt but I want to <laughs> first before I even go on a tangent let me hear how you felt okay I feel like my heart is racing right now just thinking about it I I'm not gonna lie I had a, a lot of um internal struggle 
with the with the program only because you know on top of being minority i also had a lot of financial hardship in between there's just so much i'm just trying to gather my thoughts starting out as pre med i felt like the program was a little bit more diverse versus the ot mm -hmm. pro and transitioning into ot you know i felt like a fish out of water definitely felt like a fish out of water and especially not really being educated on the career itself and not knowing as much as most other people did kind of okay. separated me a little bit even further than than most I think mm -hmm. having people that you can kind of relate to the lack or the, the lack of right tough. exactly mm -hmm. it, it, it is it really is and um like when I transferred into the program, there was a few other students that transferred the same time as me. So that was a little bit helpful. But of course, as you mentioned, it's kind of hard to relate to someone that really doesn't understand how you feel. Right. And I felt that there was a few in my cohort that wanted to understand how I felt. And I think that made my experience a little bit better. There was diversity in my cohort, not racially, but like just in terms of representation. And I think that helped a lot to know that we need to increase diversity along all areas of the profession. So I really hung on into like research with um, one of the professors Mm -hmm. And one of the topics was to increase diversity in OT. And I was like, that is the topic I want to do. <laughs> like, that's all right. I care about right now. Because, hello, me being the only Black person in this cohort isn't it. You know, like, we need to have more people that look like me. Because we're going out in this field Oops. where you're going to have somebody that looks like me. And you have to understand how to have that conversation with them and feel comfortable exactly. when you're treating that patient. Mm -hmm. I, I get that, it, girl. I agree <laughs> with 100% because a lot of the people you come in contact with, whether it's acute, home health, I mean, they're going to be coming from all walks of life. And just to, you know, have, have a practitioner from, you know, diverse background, I mean, creates that close relationship and, yeah. Yeah, it really does. And um, I remember one time during class, it kind of threw me off for a loop, honestly. It was like, mm -hmm. you know, like how in the program, we'll always watch videos and do activity analysis and things of that nature, right? Mm -hmm. And there was one, <laughs> all the time. And um, there was one time we were watching a video of someone showering, or no, washing their hair. And... Oh, we had to do activity analysis of how this person was washing their hair. And the professor mentioned how, you know, like, yeah, washing your hair takes about 10, 15 minutes. And I'm looking like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like 10, 15 minutes just to maybe detangle my hair. 10, 15 and minutes <laughs> of uh, <laughs> detangling, maybe. <laughs> For me, at least. And, and I had to have a discussion with my class we were in groups and they were asking oh so how long did it take you to wash your hair I was like like a day and a half and they're like wait what and I'm like see now I gotta educate y'all because washing my hair in the shower ain't it like we don't do that <laughs> it's just 
I know, I know. Interesting to, so you crazy. know, a occupation washing your hair, like, yes, that's very important, but also to know that people's routines and habits are totally different within different racial groups. Exactly. And it's it's interesting, especially when they, they put the person in the middle and all the things that are unique to the person. You know, it's just a reality, you know, everybody, they do things differently and depending on your culture, your nationality or whatever it may be, varies greatly. (laughs) (laughs) It really does vary. Definitely. And it's it's good to always keep Mm -hmm. an open mind within every single thing. One thing that kind of left me mind blown in college was a question that was asked to me by a peer. And I feel like I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. You know, because my undergrad, I had you know, been blessed with the opportunity of getting the Gates Millennium Scholarship, which is offered to a thousand minority students across the nation. But I guess, you know, you have to fit a certain economic, you know, level to to qualify. But I had, you know, had gotten the scholarship and I think they had, they had made it public, you know, who, who got it in, you know, in different states and whatnot. And someone had come up to me, I guess, that found out that I had it. And they said to me, I feel like as a Caucasian female, like it puts us at a disadvantage, you know, getting into certain schools and programs, you know, for someone who might put forth the same level of like academic effort and maybe score the same or higher, they're not afforded the same opportunities as, you know, minority students that may qualify for these, you know, big scholarships and everything. So just something that I I reflect on that question a lot. And, you know, just even outside of outside of therapy itself too, outside of academics and just something to uh, ruminate on. I don't know how you would feel about a question like that. I mean, how do you even respond to that? It's difficult. Um, someone even had asked me the same question about the police force. You know, a, a mm-hmm. black a black police officer in training. You know, going through the same rigor of the physical testing and the academic portion of becoming a police officer. You know, might have scored lower than a mm-hmm. Caucasian you know prospect. But you know, the white male didn't get the job, but the black man did. So how mm-hmm. do you you know, someone who really wanted to pursue that field, but didn't, it's, it's tough. It really is tough. Yeah, that is tough because it's not like, it's not like we asked for the, the extra push or for these scholarships to be created for minorities, but it's also something to keep in mind about our history. Exactly. That, we weren't born as free people, that we weren't actually citizens of this country until I can't say the year, but like we weren't born free, basically. We were known as property before Mm -hmm. we were even free. And we're still climbing this ladder of trying to get justice, trying to get equal treatment. In 2021, you know, like, we, yeah. and even 
thinking of just how our history of our country is, we're now having our first vice president who is a black woman. That has never even been done ever in existence of creating our political system. Exactly. And that just shows you that we still have things to do. Like there's work that still needs to be done. So, I mean, sometimes I feel people ask these questions and hopefully they don't want to have an argument. <laughs> I mean, you I know, know. That's the main I feel note. like if you ask the wrong, if you ask that question to the wrong person, it can go left real quick. Really but, quick. Yeah. Yeah. It gets scary, but um, it's just also something for people to keep in mind that yes, that scholarship may be specifically for minorities, but just think about where we came from and the journey that we're still fighting, the Black Lives Matter movement, the injustice that has been put on all of these Black innocent people, that Mm -hmm. so many Black people have lost their lives for no apparent reason because of just prejudice, and ignorant people that think that they're doing something wrong and they're just living their daily life you know and it just you have to be honest with that like you see it (laughs) like this is literally our reality exactly and and not so much um like when someone asks you that question to make them feel like they're not being you know attacked for for not knowing about either exactly so yeah, I like I like that approach a lot. Just kind of explain to them, you know, the the course of our growth in this country and you know, just just striving to be the best that we can be and and beyond. So yeah, for sure. Like we don't take advantage of it, you know, we don't take it lightly. I think that every single person that receives a scholarship like that takes it to heart you know you know that this is really mm-hmm. giving me the opportunity that I deserve you know mm-hmm. like it's not like oh I'm just taking it at a grain of salt and I'm not attending my classes and I'm just going to get by you know like you really put the hard work in and mm-hmm. it's showing now you know like you're an amazing OT <laughs> and so are you Ah, <laughs> oh, thanks remember <laughs> <laughs> so Court, do you have any advice for new OTs or anybody that's interested in the profession? Mm-hmm. Feel free to drop your your wisdom. <laughs> sure. Okay, let's see. Advice for new OTs and anybody who's interested in the in the field? I honestly would say, you know. Coursework is extremely important. Learning your theories, definitely important. Try not to put too much pressure on yourself, like as far as the technicalities of the coursework. Like don't forget that people are people. I feel like if I, if it wasn't so drilled into my head, like all of the different aspects of like the framework and the way things have to be and you know, the, the traditional, order of things with OT. I don't know. It just, 
when you could kind of uh, shape your mental thoughts on, you know, I see a person and like I'm getting to know them as a person, learning, you know, what they like, don't like, and, you know, what their favorite hip hop song is or whatever it may be. I feel like you can create a, a different bond with the person that is actually more therapeutic and they don't feel like they're talking to a robot per se. Right. Yeah. And I think that makes, makes the clinician a lot more comfortable too. Telling people about yourself, you know, you might connect with a person a lot differently, kind of expanding upon your personal interests and, and beyond. So I think that would be a tip that I would tell, like, even if I had a student too, just go in there yeah. talk to the as if they were a friend, you know, professionally, of course, but just get to know them. Yeah. Spend some time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love you said how, like, they're people too, you know, I feel that sometimes, as you said, we get drilled with all these different frames of references and theories and intervention right. strategies and even after the board exam, you're kind of in that mode of like studying and all these topics are all at once. And then when you get a client, you still have that mindset at times. And I know I have tried, I'm trying even now to kind of remember how I felt when I was in field work. Right. I enjoyed it. Like I loved field work because I felt like an OT. Mm -hmm. caring for mm -hmm. patients without like the the hassle of you know the licensure or whatever but like I felt like an actual OT and I want to have that same feeling even now being right. an OT and I think that's so important to to keep in mind mm -hmm. I agree with you there too definitely <laughs> Yeah, because like my last field work was in a, where was it? It was in an inpatient rehab facility and I loved it. It was amazing. And I literally felt like an OT there where I was going to the patient's room and I was just introducing myself, explaining what OT is, treating them, all this other stuff. And I'm like, I can do this. Like, wow, I feel very confident. <laughs> yeah. It's like the sooner you can get, you know, comfortable doing that, I think you're good to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the best way you can put it. <laughs> Getting comfortable talking to people. I think that's the biggest thing. People just want, they want someone to talk to, I think. Yeah, I, I completely now. agree. Mm -hmm. With COVID and everything, people just uh, need that sense of person to talk to and just know that you're you're listening and you're there for them. Exactly, exactly. So one last question for you, Court. Sure. Since this is Black History Month, I've been asking all the guests on the podcast, what are you most proud of, of being as a Black OT? What I'm most proud of being a Black OT, I would say, I would say pushing past, push, pushing past all kinds of challenges, whether they would be, or they might be economical for some people, including myself, um, 
you know, really being able to treat people, you know, during the pandemic and, and with the BLM movement, um, I felt like it, it really helped me to become a stronger person and a clinician. Um, yeah, I think it also afforded me opportunity to, to connect with all kinds of people across uh, the healthcare settings as well. Um, but yeah, I would say that would make me really proud as, as far as being a black OT. What would you say for yourself? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good night. Throw the question back at me. Um, <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. Um, it's a good question. So like, I'm proud mostly of being a black OT because I just know that I could make a difference. And what makes me even prouder is when I have a patient that looks like me. Um, when I was in my field work, I had so many um, patients that were black and it was in Georgia. So, and just the conversations that we had together, it was just so meaningful. And I know that they couldn't have had those conversations if they had a therapist of another race. Right. Um, when it came to their ADLs, when it even came to just hearing their stories and talking about, you know, like I'm praying for you, or there's not that many therapists that looks like us, and like you're the only one. Like mm -hmm. you keep going, and the encouragement is just so different when you're interacting with a patient that is of a similar race. Right. And I had um, one patient so far that was black, and I don't know. It's just a different connection. It, is a different, it definitely you know, is. A it, it just feels like I honestly felt like I was talking to my grandma, and it was just a great bond that I know that could never be. It wasn't fake. It was a genuine connection, and mm -hmm. I felt that I made a difference in her life. And I don't know, it just, it just adds a nice little like spark in my heart. I don't know, just yeah. being a black OT when I'm serving my race, it just means a lot because I know it means a lot to them. Right, definitely. I agree. I, I feel like I run into that a couple of times here uh, in upstate New York too, whether you know, certain folks come in that are the same race. And I remember I had a patient talk about Muhammad Ali one time and I was like, oh my God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I listening to my dad, you know, chanting his poetry like in the house all the time. So I was able to even like say the poems with him, like rumble, young oh. man, rumble. <laughs> so it definitely creates a, a very, very unique relationship that you can share with them. And it's very special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. But Court, thank you so much for your time. I know that you are at work and then you like came and like it really does mean a lot for you to be here. So thank you so much for taking some time out out of your busy schedule for little me. Really means a lot. <laughs>
I am so honored to be invited by you. This is incredible, incredible work that you're doing. And I think it's very important that you're, you're putting an emphasis on, you know, us African-American practitioners that, you know, we're going through it and we're getting through it. So that's good. I'm proud hey, of that. Aw, <laughs> thanks, girl. And last thing, if you have an Instagram, any Twitter handles, whatever you want to do, share it with the audience. So sure. Sure. Um, so my Instagram account is The Occupational Mindset. And I also have a Facebook group that I started for my county in response to a lot of the issues that we have surrounding uh, drug abuse, drug addiction, and a lot of overdoses in, in my community. That group is called uh, Together We Climb, Sullivan County. And let's see, I'm also starting a website, but it's not done yet, but it's gonna be related to my Instagram, same Instagram name, so those different platforms you could reach me at. And if you have any more questions, you could always uh, send me send me a message link there too. Awesome, yay. I will Thank definitely you. be dropping those informations on the description for the podcast. But thanks again, Court, for everything. Y'all, this was our third episode of the Black History Series. I am so excited to even keep this going in the month of February. Stay tuned for some more amazing OT students, practitioners, you name it. They're going to be here. All right, this is your girl Amber, reaching your potential. I'll talk to you guys soon.